I have a fascination with difficult things. I'm curious to see how far, you know, the human body can go to really, you know, test and expand the limits of human endurance. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. Dean Carnassus is arguably the most well-known ultramarathon runner in the world. Among his extreme endurance achievements, he's run 560 kilometers without sleep over four days, traversed Death Valley, one of the hottest places on earth in the middle of summer, and run a marathon to the South Pole. At the time of recording this episode, Carnassus was in Australia to participate in the 1,000 Miles to Light fundraising endurance event and had recently concluded his mandatory stint in hotel quarantine. Here, he chats with the fitness industry podcast's Oliver Kitchenman about finding the magic in misery, growing older, wiser and slower but stronger, grabbing a pizza quite literally on the run and the benefits of approaching training as a part of life and life as a part of training. Dean, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast and welcome to Australia. (laughs) It's nice to be back. I wish it was a little better circumstances, but it is nice to be back in Australia. Dean, you've been running since you were a kid and you've been involved in endurance events since high school back in the 1970s. So it's definitely been a lifelong pursuit. Before we get started, I just wanted to set the scene with a quick potted history of some of your running achievements that made you kind of widely known around the globe as ultramarathon man. A couple of those are the 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days and also running 350 miles, which is 560 kilometers in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleep. And that was back in 2005. Which of of your many, your many endurance events stick in your mind the greatest? Well, certainly the, you know, running 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days was quite memorable just because it was not just the running, it was the adventure of, you know, traveling around the U.S. and the logistics so I think that that one, as far as, you know, like a planning perspective was the most interesting and also probably the most daunting in that, you know, even running 560 kilometers, it was continuous where, you know, the 50 marathons, every, every morning I woke up wondering, am I going to be able to finish this marathon? And I've got 30 more to go in 30 days. Intense. So I guess, yeah, that's a different thing is you've got that playing on your mind as well. Whereas I guess with the I'm running 560 kilometers, you can almost zone out. At least you've just you've got one thing to focus on. And that's putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, (laughs) that it was very psychological, as you can imagine. But it is exactly that challenge, keeping the relentless forward progress. So Dean, I mean, that's a whole lot of running shoes you've, you've worked your way through over the years. I mean, you've won the world's toughest foot race. You've won the Badwater Ultramarathon. You've won the Four Deserts Challenge, racing in the hottest, driest, windiest and coldest places on earth, as you said. I guess the big question is why? <laughs> I think I have a fascination with difficult things. I'm curious to see how far, you know, the human body can go to really, you know, test and expand the limits of human endurance. And also to test and expand the limits of human spirit. 
You also achieve the impressive feat of getting a pizza delivered while you're on the run and pretty much fogging the whole thing up and consuming it on the go as well. Something of an achievement in itself. <laughs> I'll never live that story down, but I think everyone loves that story. And yeah, no, I was running a charity event that was, it was, let's see here, it's about 400 kilometers and I was running by myself and I ran out of food, but I had a cell phone and a credit card. And it was just the first thing that popped in my head, <laughs> have a pizza delivered. I think at the end of that run, I still lost, you know, like five or six pounds, even though I ate a whole pizza as I was running. Well, on that note, you're actually, you're a bit of a nutrition guy yourself, aren't you? And now I am, yes. But prior to that, I kind of abandoned all of my learnings and just ate whatever I could to get as many calories in my body, thinking that calories are good and, you know, just consume whatever. And then I started slowly figuring out that the types of calories you put in your body also matter. You said that your high school cross-country coach's theory was that running is about finding your inner peace. So, I mean, after all these years, have you found your inner peace? <laughs> I've had transcendent moments, let's say. I think I'm still searching that. Well, in fact, your new book is called A Runner's High. So I guess that's the moment of transcendence that a lot of runners are searching for. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of bliss and contentment you get after a long run. And I think any, any runner listening to this is probably nodding their head in agreement. In recent years, there's been a huge growth in popularity of running in general, but particularly endurance and ultramarathon, to the point where events that may have used to have got a couple of, um, a couple of dozen people turning up, there are now wait lists for them. So why do you think that is? You know, I think that there's people are kind of bored with the, the easy life. They want to see, you know, if, if they can, you know, find some, I always say, some misery and some magic in misery. And I think that's why a lot of people do it. You know, life is easy these days. Everything is pretty convenient. You know, why try something difficult? And I think because life is easy, I think people seek out these challenges. And also, they want to see if they're capable. It's kind of an adventure into the unknown. So your motto these days Dean is older, wiser, slower, stronger. And then in fact, it's the subtitle of your newest book, as I mentioned, A Runner's High. The first three of these adjectives are, I guess, pretty self-explanatory, older, wiser, slower. And they sort of suggest that you've come to terms with the changes that happen with age. So how does the stronger part come about? I think that I've learned a lot mentally. You know, there's a saying with the race that I described in the book, that's called the Western States 100 mile endurance run. So it's a 160 kilometer run. They say, you, you know, you run the first half with your legs and the next half with your mind. So I think over the years, my mind has grown stronger and more resilient in a lot of ways. You return to the Western States, as you say, which is a 160-kilometer event, endurance event. And that's a, a race that you documented running a couple of decades ago. So obviously this time around, after quite a, a hiatus in that event, not in endurance running, obviously, but in that event, you ran an understandably slower time than when you lasted it many years ago. Are those kind of feats that you completed in the past still possible as you get older? And how do you sort of change your expectations around those? It's funny, you know, I still have the, <laughs> the mindset of a young lad when I go into these races thinking I'm, you know, I'm going to crush it. And, you know, living with the reality that, you're just not capable of, of doing what you used to do. It's hard to stomach, especially for someone like me that, you know, works so, so diligently on all of my, you know, being the best animal that Dean can be with cross training and everything else. And, you know, to, to face down the fact that father time is catching up is a real reckoning, but I try to keep it in perspective. I, I speak a lot about my relationship with my son in the book who actually came out to help me with the hundred, the hundred mile race. 
And, you know, I, I said to him, I don't know, about three quarters of the way through, Nicholas, I'm having a, a really bad race. And he, he looked at me and said, Dad, you know, you're, you're running 100 miles. To most people, that says enough. <laughs> so is your son a runner as well? He is a runner. He enjoys running. He's not competitive. He just runs just for exercise and kind of, you know, just a emotional, you know, kind of break that running gives you. So I know that you were sort of initially started running, but inspired by your own father. In a way you would not expect. I saw him finish the inaugural LA Marathon back in 1985. And I found him in the medic tent, you know, wrapped in a Mylar blanket, extremely dehydrated, you know, shivering, covered in salt crust. And I, I said, I'm never going to do anything like this. Like, why would, why would you do this? <laughs> you know, why, why would you actually sign up and do this to yourself? So I thought I'll never do it. And, you know, look at me now. It's basically my whole life. Dean, at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, many marathon runners were in their 40s, as they often are, including the Australian top 10 finisher, 44-year-old Sinead Diver. Research shows that athletes in endurance sports peak in their 40s, whereas those in other track and field type events often peak in their 20s. Does this make endurance events more appealing for older exercisers? It does. I think on a couple fronts, I think one, yeah, you're right. Our performance does get better as we get older on longer distances. And as well, I think that we're more patient as we get older. (laughs) You know, we're willing to do something for three or four or five, or in my case, you know, 24 to 48 hours where my younger self was, was much less patient. Older adults, including masters athletes, are an increasing segment of the fitness industry market. Now, a lot of our listeners will be personal trainers and fitness professionals and coaches. How do you think coaches and personal trainers can work more effectively with this demographic of older adults without sort of patronizing them, you know, factoring in the changes that come with age, but also creating new challenges that keep pushing them forwards? I think one to create a, a welcoming environment. I know as you get older and you get out of shape, it's, it's very intimidating to, you know, to come back into the fitness world. So to create a welcoming environment with peer groups. So don't, you know, don't have classes, maybe have an over 40 class and try to match people of abilities together in classes versus you know, having someone show up that's in a lot less, you know, not in such great shape, you know, side by side with someone who's in tremendous shape. So it's a case of sort of changing the nature of challenges so that rather than being about constantly striving for, for more, like more speed, more distance, more intensity, it's about doing something different? I think so. I think stressing, you know, just the goal is to be the best you that you can be. And that is the definition of success is if you live up to your best, best self, then, you know, you succeed versus setting, you know, unrealistic goals or you know, time constraints or any, or, you know, weight constraints or anything like that. Dean, when you arrived in Australia recently for the thousand miles to light, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a moment, did you, you did your stint in the hotel quarantine as everybody does returning to Australia? We all know it's tough enough being confined to our own homes during lockdowns, but how does someone who's used to clocking up hundreds of kilometers every week deal with being stuck in a 30 square meter room without even the opportunity for outdoor exercise? <laughs> well, it was a challenge, but you know, I took up the slack by doing hundreds of burpees and jumping lunges throughout the day. So the one thing I never did is I never sat down the whole time I was in that room. You know, the first thing I did is I took out the ironing board and used that as a standing desk. So I plopped my laptop on it. And throughout the day, literally, I was doing sets of push-ups, pull-ups, lunges. I brought some TRX straps. I set those up. So I was constantly moving and just forcing myself not to go idle. 
And that's, I think, what saved me. So do you have any advice for those exercising at home due to isolation or, you know, being stuck inside with bad weather when the gyms are closed? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is don't sit down. It's a simple thing. But if you're on your feet all day, just bouncing up and down, I think that that is a good place to start. And, you know, it's people used to say, aren't you exhausted after being on your feet all day? And the reality is I was a lot more exhausted after sitting on my butt all day. So I'd say don't sit down. I would also say that make fitness part of your overall daily routine. Don't say, well, I've got to spend an hour, you know, doing cardio or working out. Work out throughout the course of the day. These might be short little, you know, 10 to 10 to 12 minute hit sessions, but constantly be working out throughout the day and just view training as part of life and life part as part of training. Okay, so now you're out of lockdown and you're preparing to embark on your next challenge, which is the reason that you're in Australia. That's the thousand miles to light. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, uh, a pretty famous Australian runner, ultra runner, Pat Farmer, he had initially reached out to me about eight months ago and the idea was to run across Australia. He said, let's, let's join together and run across Australia from Western Australia to Byron Bay. And I thought that was fantastic. He said, you know, we, the world needs something positive to look at. Well, you know, COVID has gotten worse <laughs> since that time. And now the race was confined to New South Wales. So originally, we we're going to run a thousand miles from Broken Hill to Byron Bay. And even while we were here in quarantine, we had to modify the course. So we're still going to run a thousand miles, but it's going to be within the confines of the Singleton military base. So everyone involved in this has been quarantine or in, in isolation in preparation for the event. I was going to ask, you know, if it had been impacted by government restrictions on movement, and clearly it has been. Very much so. In fact, you know, it was the Australian government that really got behind this and they encouraged this event to happen. It's a benefit for an organization called Reach Out Australia, which, you know, deals with the mental health crisis that young folks are facing in Australia. So the government got behind it. They worked very closely with the military to make all of the arrangements. So I feel like they've done everything they can. You say it's, uh, it's two teams. It's the American and the Australian team doing these continual 5K relays each day. So are you able to contain yourself to five kilometer bursts or, or that's 40 kilometers a day? Or are you just going to keep on running alongside the other runners? It's a really interesting question. I, I <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I think that, you know, I'm going to have to run pretty, we're all going to have to run fairly quickly so that, you know, we can get some sleep at night. But, you know, if I have to double up a little bit, maybe I'll double up a little bit. It's a unique challenge and I'm looking forward to doing something different. I recall reading Ultramarathon many years ago and I'm um, pretty sure you, did, you used to run marathons on the way to starting a marathon. The new is your warm-up was to run a marathon on the way there. So <laughs> I feel like by five, in 5Ks, you'd just be hitting your stride. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to you know, rein back the horses a bit. But yeah, I, I think you know, for all of us, it'll be a unique challenge. And I, I think this event you know, it was turned originally it was somewhat of a race. You know, we, we were kind of Australia versus the U.S. And I think now we're just we've all worked so hard to be able to make this work that I think we're all united and we're all banding together. And it's, it's going to be much more about camaraderie than racing. So Dean, after all these years, does running still mean as much to you? And do you have any plans to sort of hang up your runners and spend more time doing one of your other activities that you enjoy, which is surfing back home in California? You know, I write about this in a Runner's High that, you know, I'm still as passionate about running as I was the day I started. So the fire is still burning pretty strong in my heart. And, you know, I tell people my finish line is a pine box. 
you know, when I'm 10 feet under, <laughs> that'll be my end. But, you know, there's a saying, find, find what you love and let it kill you. And I'm pretty committed to that. I go to marathons. I see folks in their 70s and 80s and even 90s still running marathons. So I hope to be one of them. There's a wonderful lady here in Sydney I used to see doing the City to Surf and she was in her 90s and I think she'd been at almost every event in the last 30 odd years. Oh yeah, I've I've run the City to Surf and I I look forward to the day that race is back active because I'd love to come back and do it again just for old time's sake. Give me a call when you're in town for that one Dean and I might tag along with you. (laughs) Will you go slow? I'd like to go really slow and enjoy every step. (laughs) You know, well, look, you, your, your, your slow might be my PB. So, you know, if, you, if, you're, <laughs> if you're doing five, five minute Ks, then I might push myself. <laughs> well, we'd, we'd have a beer afterward. Either way. Sounds good to me. Dean, for more information on everything that you do, where can people find that out? You can just Google Dean Carnassus. Someone told me if you type in Dean in Google, I'm the first Dean that comes up. So you can type in Dean Carnassus and, you know, I've got a website, obviously I'm on social media and, you know, my fifth book, Runner's High, just came out in Australia. It's been a bestseller. So maybe consider checking out a Runner's High. Cool. I know that you can definitely get hold of a Runner's High and Ultramarathon Man at booktopia.com.au. So if you're looking for more information on those, you know, go ahead. And for the Thousand Miles to Light the website for that is 1000milestolight.com. So if you're interested in finding out a bit more about this event, then go and check that out. Dean, all the best with your future challenges. And thank you so much for speaking with the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you for having me on. And I wish you and everyone in the industry the very best down in Australia. And I look forward to the day gyms reopen. As we all do. Thanks again, Dean. Cheers, mate. For a huge range of online courses for fitness professionals, many of them accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, go to the Network website and select the Courses tab. Network members save up to 30%, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career.